welcome to Romancing the Game. I'm Jordan Fishburne. I'm Tawny P. Thompson, and I'm very excited. (laughs) And I am Sarah Babe, and I am just baseline excited. (laughs) We're talking about Thane Creos today! Mass Effect 2. Only Mass Effect 2. So I'll try to stay away from the Mass Effect 3 spoilers. As much as possible. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll do our best. This is a good time to let you know there will be spoilers. Uh This is a spoiler alert. If you don't want to have your feelings hurt, then you should probably turn this the fuck off. This is a spoiler alert. If you don't want your feelings to get hurt, turn it off. Yeah. Thanks. Boom. (laughs) This podcast will contain spoilers. As is the nature of discussing our overarching story, we will be covering plot beats during this show. The warning has been laid at your feet. Continue at your own peril. Beats. 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 Spoiler beats. (laughs) If you don't want sexy iguana boy spoilers, leave Yeah, don't. I mean, I don't know if I'd even call him like Iguana Boy. Like, he, I, mean, I so I looked at a bunch of different lizards, oh, and I was did? like, which oh, lizard no. would be like the most similar? Wow. Um, during <laughs> game, during the game, they do call him a frog, frog boy. Yeah, which I no, not a frog boy. Because I understand frogs- the connection. Because when Morden pulls you aside, he tells the you the, the hallucinations from the oral contact. Right, but I thought that was toads. I think it depends. I think it can be toads or frogs, but it depends on the species. Like, do you think that would be a good high? Like, I've never really tried hallucinogenics. So, like... I feel like it, since it's coming from Thane, the answer to that question is yes. I think Ooh. it depends. <laughs> and we'll definitely dive into this later in more detail, but I'm just going to leave this here for your thoughts. <laughs> also, oral contact gives you mild hallucinations. Hallucinations makes the sea shit. Yeah. Oh, God. Words are fucking hard, man. (laughs) So, oral contact makes the sea shit, but they don't say if it's one particular part that you have to have oral contact with. I had taken it as like kissing, but. Maybe that, um, I mean, I don't know. It could oh, be, I mean, I it could would, be the D. It could be the D. I went directly to blowjobs. Me too. Um, <laughs> Especially because, well, I, I did think he probably meant kissing as well, but I mean, blowjobs and then potentially accidentally consuming anything that happens at the completion <laughs> of a blowjob. For it's his called speech. ejaculation, Jordan. <laughs> I, I, I was like, I'm trying to find the word that would come from his come from his sperm. Sperm. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, we are so cold. Oh, should oh, I should I should yeah, I do the boring really stuff quick? Ahead. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. We're jumping. <clears throat> Mass Effect 2 was released for the PC and Xbox 360 in 2010. The PS3, it came out in 2011. The developer was BioWare. The publisher was Electronic Arts. The writers, the head writers, were Mac Walters and Drew Carpichin. The rest of the writing team was Luke Christiansen, Chris Lay-Twell, Patrick Weekus, Malcolm Azania, Chris Hepler, Brian Kendrigan, Brian Kendrigan, and Jay Turner. In this case, Thane Krios is straight only, so you must be Femshep, as voiced by Jennifer Hale. I mean, like, uh, for real... Femshep or I get know. the fuck out. Like, right now. Fair. 
and our lovely Thane Krios is voiced by Keith Farley, who I did a small amount of research on. And oh, so a lot of research. (laughs) (laughs) Tee hee hee. Um, (laughs) For what? He's a little bit of a silver fox, just a little bit. Um, Ooh, damn. mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, I like, ooh. Mm -hmm. Ooh, Mm -hmm. those eyebrows. Mm -hmm. That is. That is lovely. I discovered um, early this morning, though, that he has his own podcast. So I'm going to Why are we not listening to this? Later. I know. It is called, um, where'd it go? It is called Live from the Lounge. Um, and it is a variety show podcast uh, featuring music, radio theater sketches, recipes, movie discussion, and more. Um, so I may be looking into that because I really like his voice. He's got a really, 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 really good voice. So. Oh, I do really... 100%. I would put my enjoyment of his voice, I know this is sacrilege, above Garrus's voice. <gasps> Ooh, I agree, though. Like, it's, <laughs> he's very good. He is very, very good. I really. Him against Brandon Keener. Which one's this fight? Uh, that's Garris's voice. Oh yeah, sorry. I, oh my I knew that. Goodness. I, I would have to disagree with you there, oh. Sarah. Okay. I, I do like Garris's more I think part of the reason may be, like, he does a very good job. I'm not saying that he doesn't do it. Oh, right. Yeah. Nobody's hating here. Nobody's hating here. No hate. There's, um, they, like, they modulate his voice. Yeah. Yeah. Like, they they give it almost that that gritty, um, reptilian kind of sounding growly thing to it. I think it also probably is pushed a little bit more into effect because of his um, spoilers disease that he's dying from um, that affects it as well. But I, I like Garrus a little bit more and the delivery of some of like the flashback sequences, like his normal speaking, I like a lot, but some of the delivery on the flashback sequences, I thought shows like very rushed not quite as controlled. I, I actually I, liked that. I liked that a lot. Okay. I think it it displays like he's seeing it in real time in his head and he's trying to get the thoughts across to you very, very quickly because mm-hmm. it's it's in real time in his mm-hmm. mind. I mean, <laughs> the entire Drell race ha- have eidetic memories. So mm-hmm. for him, he's literally reliving that moment every time he does those bits. And so I like the lack of control there because I think it displays that like um, almost frenzy of it. Mm-hmm. It's, that makes sense. Um, it's very, um, it feels very, the way it's delivered, it feels very like PTSD flashbacky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I could see why that would be a little off-putting. Mm-hmm. But it, it's very well delivered. Yeah. Like either way, it's very well. Uh, uh, have you guys seen the picture of Keith Farley with a little bit of facial yes, hair? Yes. That is. <laughs> <laughs> but while we're still on Keith Farley, <laughs> I did want to do a couple shout-outs. Um, for his career is vast. And it is um, varied. He does a lot of like voice work and voice directing. Yeah. It looks like a lot of could direct me. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm not going there. I'm stopping. (laughs) Um, It looks like he did the direction for God of War, though, the entire series, which is cool as fuck. He did some um, voice directing for Cyberpunk 2027, too. 
2077. Which, like, arguably, that is one of the things I've been saying as we're playing through Cyberpunk is, like, the voice work is done very well. Mm -hmm. Oh, So, snaps on that one, Mr. Farley. Mm -hmm. We appreciate you for many reasons. Yeah. (laughs) But the the big one that... I noticed when I was kind of going through his past credits is going to really mark me as old folks. So I see oh. which one you're going to say. Take that as you will. But are you talking about the Rugrats credits or the Thornberries or Duckman? I'm 100% talking about the 2000 Rugrats in Paris, the movie, Jean-Claude, <laughs> that he played <laughs> when Rugrats went to Paris. So ooh, ooh, he was in Disarnab too. Also, Barbie Dreamtopia as Strawberry Bear number one. Like, I love that. Ooh, Legend of Korra, Captain and Dai Lee agent. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Um, you know, he also did the voice direction for Rugrats, though. Both yeah. Of, all of them. Nice. I'm sure he did. Um, it looks like he did additional voices on a lot of the um, voice directing items that he did. Which makes sense because, like, it's probably like, well. ah, shit, we need someone to do this voice really quick. Can you, you, you just do it. You do it quick. <laughs> you know? So. Oh, he was in an episode of Star Trek Voyager, which probably. Ooh explains why he looks familiar because i'm a giant trekkie and apparently full house huh he played like a waiter in full house i i think that probably was a one-off <laughs> still because i, I, well, I mean, it was oh like, no max dobson too yeah. okay never yeah. mind but he was also um he was also like one episode of voyager yeah but. so he's been around yeah he, he's done yeah, a lot like he's done a but before right. we jump into okay. thing, I'm going to give you guys your quick and dirty Mass Effect 2 plot overview. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mass Effect 2 is a continuation of Mass Effect 1, in case you didn't know, and is set in a futuristic Milky Way where mass relays, technology allowing for faster-than-light travel, have allowed the human race to expand outward from our Earth and into a society filled with other advanced species. Um, the game starts with Shepard dying fun stuff, getting brought back to life by a pro-human organization called Cerberus. And then as you do in video games, you're there to save the galaxy and uh, bang some people if you're playing a Bioware game. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But obviously uh, today we're talking about Thane Krios, a Drell assassin. So excited, you guys. And uh, Oh my gosh, you guys. Yeah. Keith Farley did voice director for a bunch of episodes of Adventure Time. <laughs> I've never actually watched Adventure Time. It's, oh, uh, the first time I saw Adventure Time, I was high <laughs> on prescribed painkillers okay. after I broke my ankle. <laughs> but I That's had to really look over time. to some people. I had to look yeah. over to my sister and I'd be like, is this really happening? Because I was on like <laughs> morphine and oxycodone <laughs> and gabapentin. Like, didn't even know anything about talking Game Boy. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, is this really, is that dog shifting shapes? Like it was just, yeah, it was an excellent introduction to that series. And I like it. Uh, But, um, but the introduction of Thane, um, I I think is the only new species introduction for this for this game, because Drell hasn't really come up before. Yeah, not. you don't really... I don't remember Drell being in 
one. I don't, they may have been mentioned, but I don't know that you ever see them, no. Right, right. You definitely see the Hanar around the Citadel. I do like the Hanar. They're the pink ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're super cool. The like floaty, jellyfishy people. Yeah, they're like super cool. Be like, yeah. They're the ones who are like, this one is happy to see you and yes. would like you to And they things. glow when they talk to you. Yeah. And yes, so they're so cool. Before, I'll do a quick rundown of the Hanar because I plan to do a quick rundown of the Drell. I was going to say, I could talk through the Drell uh, oh, yeah. association with the Hanar. Okay. talk about the Hanar first. <laughs> yes. Um, so Hanar are a related species to the Drell. Um, So just to give you a little basis for what the Hanar are, um, they resemble jellyfish from earth um uh, specifically like a man of war if yeah anybody's yeah. like a big jellyfish nerd yeah they have like a kind of a dinosaur jelly body without a head or legs or a tail like a little bit of a tail um and then they have like tendrils that kind of float down to the ground um, they're one of the few non-bipedal races at the Citadel, mm-hmm. and they're known for their intense politeness when speaking, which whenever yes. you go near them, they they talk like very, they describe how they're this feeling. This would they like talk to, to talk to you. Yes. <laughs> and they describe how they're feeling because the way that they communicate with themselves, they can do that but not obviously when talking to people that don't have the same sort of um, receptors for that information (laughs) oh so so they're 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 a little bit similar to the Elcor in that sense Uh but not not as obvious as the Elcor because the Elcor are like feigned surprise nice Mm -hmm. to see you here (laughs) (laughs) yes um and they're intensely polite and they have um, very strong religious beliefs relating to the Protheans, um, which are a big deal in the Mass Effect games. Uh, and they refer to the Protheans as the Enkindlers. Yes. Um, and oh my God, I just found a picture of a Hanar in a sweater and it's adorable. Okay, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> They're super pretty. Um, I'm not going to get too crazy into the the biology of them. They're like jellyfish. Um, They're toxic. That was one thing that Thane brings up at one point is like, mm -hmm. I think Shepard asks, well, why don't they do their own assassination? Um, Or Shepard says like, oh, so they use the Drell as assassins because they can't kill other people themselves, right? And Thane's like, oh, no, they could. They have like, have you ever seen a Hanar with its toxicity, whatever thing? Yeah. And like they're very Shepherd's quick like, in the no. water, mm-hmm. but he he mentions you know they use other races as assassins because they can't hold a gun mm-hmm. and they're not fast outside of water, so mm-hmm. they're very limited in their capacity for exactly. their their deadliness. Their tendrils can hold you very tightly, like all yes. of this kind of stuff. If they can catch you, <laughs> okay. I am accidentally going down a giant friggin' rabbit hole of Hanars in sweaters. <laughs> Okay, uh, but yeah, sorry. I never want to knit a Hanar sweater. That sounds like Oh, it'd be a nightmare. <laughs> so many sleeves. Six legs? No. So many arm gussets? Okay. Um, um, the Hanar, so, um, just so we kind of have a basis, um, they have a home world called Kaji, which is 90% ocean cover and orbits a energetic white star and is permanently blanketed in clouds. And it rains every like day. all the time. 
yeah. every day. Um, <laughs> and due to the Prothean ruins there, they developed their religion and call them the Enkindlers. And the the Hanar like talk about the Protheans as an elder race that sort of brought them up and taught them like sentience and civilization, that kind of stuff. Um, but uh, the whatchamacallit? Oh no, oh no, oh no. The drill? Yeah, the drill. Um Tawny's gonna go into that. <laughs> yeah. Um are so, on the same galaxy. Well, yeah, so the, the implication system. No, it's the same planet. Um, uh, it's not the same planet. So, yes, it is. Um, the implication is that the, the um, yep, the Hanar used the Drell as their assassins because the Drell world of Rakana was dying around them. Instead of um, trying to find a way to fix it, they were fighting amongst themselves. So the Hanar rescued them and brought them to their own world, um, mm-hmm. Kaje, Um and formed a compact with them, which is that the Drell would basically do their dirty work on land um, and that the Hanar would then take care of the Drell. Mm-hmm. But of course, an unforeseen circumstance of that is something that affects Thane very badly because um, Rakana was a very dry desert planet um, and Kaje is, as we said before, very, very moist. Rains every day. Yeah, um, and it's very, very Water. bad for the Drell's lungs. Um, so Thane actually mentions like Drell homes on Kaje are like, try, they try to keep them as dry as possible, but like there's only so much you can do. Um, and right. a lot of them suffer from uh, Keprel's syndrome, which, which is basically like they drown inside of their own. Uh, basically body. COVID. Yeah. Yeah. Oh God. No, don't, don't. Oh it's my God. It's a circle. Okay, it's basically. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. It's pneumonia. Okay, it all comes together. It's, all it's it's like a pneumonia or yeah. like a COPD. Now, nothing yes. to do with any sort of viruses. No, there's there's no pandemic. Well, and that, I mean, he does say like it's not catching. It's just right. From it's just a thing lived that in happens. a moist place. Which brings um, me to an interesting point: being humans are like seventy percent water. Wouldn't that be harmful to drill? I mean, they're not breathing us in. I mean, I, I had a thought about this because we live in the state of Wisconsin. It is now winter. Yep. It's very cold. Mm-hmm. The moisture is getting sucked dry. out of the air. Yep. I've had a humidifier on the entirety of this year and part of last year Same. leading into this year. And I feel like that would not be a great place for Thane to be in in conjunction with having to live with humans. <laughs> right. I but mean, to be fair, humans live in the desert too. Like they can. Yeah. But so. to be fair, the the Hanar homeworld is probably like misty, super humid, water everywhere, rains every day. So Pacific Northwest. Yeah. Whereas like this is kind of a normal like humans don't have to live in water to maintain a moist jellyfish body right true, so true, true. Yeah, that, yeah we do not have moist jellyfish bodies <laughs> thankfully just 70 percent water bodies don't forget right. to moisturize people it's very important but well it's not like a dreller and 
just being around somebody that needs dry air isn't necessarily the same. <laughs> well, it's not like the drill are totally dry. I'm sure there's still moisture in their bodies. It's just that their lungs can't handle moist air. During yeah. the entire conversation, I was just staring at my humidifier. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, like iguanas can live near the ocean, near large bodies of water in humid places. But like, it's mm-hmm. still like a desert type area. Area. You know? Right. <laughs> My sexy iguana boy. You got really invested in air humidity levels for a second. <laughs> um, I mean, it's important. Like, you, you got to do what you got to do. <laughs> I feel like, so just moving slightly forward, I feel like Thane is one of the few characters that you get like a really full life backstory from. Yes, you do. I, I, think yeah i think that's one of the things that really builds up that um intimacy for me is like knowing that he actually has a life outside of falling in love with commander shepherd like there's there's right. more to it there's more secrets to be revealed and he's very mysterious and right yeah yeah there he's a very well realized yeah. character which is like super great and I think that was interesting as well, because they, they don't only build out him. They build out the drill and they build yes. out the hammer. So they like really punched a lot of stuff into what he tells you and what you learn about him and like the species and characters around him, which was fascinating. They even build out like some kid that he helped mentor and like help out on the streets at some point. And these I are, loved like, that. I love yeah. Mouse. And like, yeah, it's one of those things like you learn things about him through the things he's done instead of like with pretty much every other character. It's just what you see right now. And that's their character. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. With like notes about other things. And mm-hmm. I, I also, um, we should probably run through his actual story quick yeah. Um, yeah. so that we can uh, really delve into the implications of things that he tells you about and how that information is received and how he feels about it and all that fun stuff. Um, so basically in Mass Effect, you're slated with finding this assassin, right? Like you hear about him and you find out what his target is going to be. So you try to reach the target. Uh, before he can get there. And the target is Masana Dantius. Um, on Ilium. On Ilium, yes. So you know from like hearing about him that he prefers to be like an up-close and personal assassin. He really gets in there and uses guns and hand-to-hand and like really takes people out. Um, you go and talk to Nasana and she like is a bitch um, but <laughs> you're there going well i'm not here for you i'm after the person that is here for you and she like kind of ignores you and tells her bodyguards to start checking stuff out in this very cinematic top-down scene of like seeing the back of a head looking and through a porthole drops from the ceiling this is very cinematic and cool <laughs> as an introduction like let's be completely honest here he blows through these guys. He like drops down and snaps somebody's neck. Just like mm-hmm. snap. He like takes everybody else out and then he 
pulls Nasana basically into a hug and just point blank into her stomach, fires his pistol and gently lays her down on the command console, crosses her arms over her chest and, and starts, starts praying. praying. Yep. I, I, I think my prayer. Right I think here. my favorite part of that is the bodyguards going, did you hear that? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I really built scared. that tension. Oh yeah. my God, it was so good. Oh, it, it was like, scared. It was good. It was really good. Well, then is I think Garrus interrupts him. And then he says, um, uh, I'm praying for the wicked. Uh, yeah, I'm. He, he says, I apologize. You cannot um, forego the prayers for the wicked. Yeah. Um, and what you find out later is he's not praying for Nisana. He's praying no. for himself. Yes. Yeah. For having murdered her. And um, you start talking about his his work and what he's doing. And um, one of the quotes for that section was um, talking about different people, right? And if he can join you. He starts talking about... You ask him to join the collectors and he responds and starts talking about everything. And one of my favorite quotes from that section was the measure of an individual can be difficult to discern by actions alone. Take you, for instance, all this destruction, chaos, because, yeah, if you're judging people based directly off of their actions that they do on a day to day basis, Shepard, like, yeah, (laughs) Blows in like a tornado and blows back out on the way to tornado the big bad evil. <laughs> like well, and what you learn about Thane is that he prefers to mitigate as much damage as possible. That's why he does things so sneaky quiet. Yeah. Because he just wants to take out the one person that he needs to take out mm-hmm. and then slip away into the night. And he does say that um, if I have to fight other people, I've made a mistake and I'm not doing my job the best that I can Mm -hmm. because he doesn't consider the bodyguards the target of his skills. He wants to only get the target that he's gunning for. Mm -hmm. Um, And I know during that same section, there is in the very beginning, when you're talking to him, he reveals that he's dying. Like you get through this conversation with him about joining. And he's like, I, this was to be my last mission. Mm-hmm. Kind of implying that he was expecting to die during this well, mission. He, he says that later. He does say, like, yeah. I was expecting her bodyguards to take me out, and that would have been a good death. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, he tells you about the disease. He says, I have Kepler syndrome. Kepler's. Kepler's? Kepler's syndrome. Um I only have, like, I'm paraphrasing, I only have this much time left on this earth. Shepard can say anything I can do. And Thane straight up says, "Give me, giving me this opportunity is enough. The universe is a dark place. I'm trying to make it brighter before I die. Many <laughs> innocents died today. I wasn't fast enough, and they suffered. Yeah. I must atone for that. <laughs> I love him. Yeah. Oh, jeez. He's really I'm sorry. Good. <laughs> it's okay. It's right. <laughs> he's so righteous and sure about the things he's righteous about. He's such a paladin. <laughs> he really is. <laughs> uh, it's I, I he's so pithy 
every word that he says is some type of pithy quote. I was taking notes as I was watching through the video and I just, like, this is my page of notes, you guys. It just keeps going in, like, it, there's so many. And then I had to stop and I was like, I'm, I'm writing down every fucking word he says because I, start, I, I started paraphrasing for a very specific reason because I want to get across what he's trying to get across without us having to just read his script yes. from this. Cause they did write his, his lines very well. This mm-hmm. who, who was the writer on this one? Because thank you. Yeah. Like they did really seriously, job. honestly, straight up. Thank yeah. you. Maybe it was the person who wrote for Samara because she had really good writing too. I bet you're right. Uh, you know, both. I'm betting it was a guy. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that's true. Are you betting on an easy bet? Because I'm not going to bet against you on I'm that not one. Anybody yeah. on that. No. Sorry. I mean, at the very yeah. least, they're writing Somebody's a man in this case. So yeah. Um, Still going to be a little. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. No. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But you do get Thane to join you. He agrees to take your um, your quest pro bono, so you're not paying him for his skills. And Um, then Jacob is a little bitch. He doesn't like mercenaries. It pissed me off. Don't be mean to Jacob just because you love this guy. Okay, Jacob has (laughs) reasons for not being fond of mercenaries, despite the fact that he's in a terrorist organization. Don't care. (laughs) Don't Don't be mean to my sexy iguana boy. Um, I, yeah, be nice to the lizard. Man, man, man. I laughed during this sequence because he does ask, like, um, I'm fine anywhere, but if you could put me on the driest area of the ship, I would appreciate it. And Edie uh, answers him and lets him know that the room near the life support is the driest um, so he can make his home there. And he goes, ah, an AI. AI my thanks and he bows to her yep and it's Edie so makes a comment she's like he seems quite civil and then she closes <laughs> <laughs> and that's so jacob um when jacob is being a little bitch he says something about like i don't trust anybody who does this kind of shit solely for money and shepherd has the chance to be like he's not taking any money shut the fuck up um yeah which i which, appreciate i mean he is an assassin but he Jacob doesn't know his background, right? So he's basing it off of the assumption that he has for most assassins. But you know what assuming does. Makes an ass of you and me. <laughs> yeah. And especially... I, I learned that in first grade from my <laughs> fucking principal at a Catholic <gasps> school. Oh, my oh. God. Yeah. Oh boy. I hated that school. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to go into, like, childhood trauma. Uh, back to... Attractive lizard boy. The dark-eyed <laughs> stare was very. <laughs> um, his, speaking of the dark-eyed stare, his double blink. There's something the about that he know. blinks and then he blinks sideways. His oh, eye is yeah. full black. Yeah, it's like so, the depths of the universe. Oh, and whenever God. he blinks, he does a normal lid blink and then an extra eyelid blink, and it's like sideways, which is weird. I mean, it's very lizardy. It is. It reminds me of that scene from Men in Black. (laughs) (laughs) He blinked one pair of eyelids, and then he blinked another pair of eyelids. He had two pairs of eyelids. That, sorry, just really brought me back to that. I could see that. I could see that. Um, They were very cinematic, and they make it like, they are always super close up on his face whenever they do it, too, to make it more obvious. You know what's funny? I didn't notice it. (gasps) Really? Yeah, I 
I think it's one of those <sighs> little things. I think it's of it as like they didn't have to add it in there. Like, so it's one of those cool little like extras that they pop in just mm-hmm. to make him less human and more alien. Um, it's also a very quick sequence. They don't make it super slow and obvious. Mm-hmm. So if you're not looking for it, yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. I miss a lot of really obvious things. So that's <laughs> to be a- fair. That was. If you watch Jaguar Jaguar 550 like we do. Which uh, high five to Jaguar 550. Like yeah. thank you. Your content job, is lovely. Always, thank you. <laughs> um he put his Femme Shep in the sexy dress option for Mass Effect 2. So I did get distracted by Femme Shep in, Femme Shep <laughs> in her sexy dress option. Um that I've never actually used in my playthrough. I didn't it think people actually used it. Feel- but character correct um <laughs> she he was kind of playing her as more of a renegade so yeah. like I a little bit it, but I um i don't know why i associate renegade with sexy dress for women it's probably the Me femme either. fatale persona in, <laughs> yeah but um thing, when you're romancing thing you kind of have to do a couple of the renegade options because you? if you yeah i mean when you're doing his loyalty mission you don't get the correct information if you don't go a little bit rogue yeah, you do. Um, yeah. The good cop, bad cop scene can go very, very differently if you don't go a tiny bit rogue. Are yeah. you sure? Because I, I watched There's other ways through, around it. I watched through a Paragon scene where they got the same exact information by doing all Paragon options. That's weird because when I played, I tried to go fully Paragon and I didn't get the information that I needed. So I went back to a save point and did it. Oh. Yeah, the one that I watched gave you all the information you need. <laughs> Maybe I just suck. I don't know. <laughs> um, maybe you weren't enough Paragon by the time you did his loyalty mission. Maybe. Might I not have been did high kind enough. of like try to run through his shit. So. Yeah, that's the danger of those loyalty missions. You really want to make sure your, um, your meters are up before you do them. So you get mm-hmm. the options that you want. Yeah. Um, but... Anyways, um, for his loyalty <laughs> mission, yeah, uh, you. Yes, it is probably my most hated loyalty mission. Really, it's, I like the story you get from the mission, but I was so confused as to how to properly the mechanics of the actual mission. I just I ended up having to reload it a couple times. It's it definitely ridiculous. different from a lot of the missions, and this mission's entirely on the Citadel, which is weird. But yeah. we also get Michael Hogan as Colonel Bailey, um, also known as Exo Ty from Battlestar. Oh my God! Yeah, that really? Yes, yeah. I can usually pick his voice out of everything. Yep, I have a lot That's of him as Colonel about Bailey. Bailey. <laughs> oh, I got, I got, I got words about Bailey. Oh yeah, yeah. oh yeah. So we basically covered everything that Thane talks about pre well, this mission, right? Except for his wife. Well, and no, he doesn't even tell you about his wife yet. Um, before this mission, well, okay, yeah, let's take a step back. Before this mission, if you go down to life support, um, you can ask him a little bit more about his Keppral syndrome. And you can ask, like, if there's anything you can do, like, maybe you can go find better doctors. Maybe you can fund a different treatment for him. And he pretty much says, like, it's not out there. The, you know, the technology is not out there yet. Yeah. Um, but but the Hanar are working first, on it. Yeah. Uh, but you get his first like flashback moment, which we've kind of mentioned already, but the mm-hmm. Drell have eidetic memories 
and you ask him about his work and how he goes about stuff. And he has this like, um, like we mentioned, almost like a PTSD flashback moment where he's just telling you straight out exactly what happened. But you don't know yet who the person is that steps into his line of sight to keep him from mm -hmm. shooting someone. Right. Um, he reveals that after the loyalty mission. Yeah. The way that they portray his eidetic memory is not so much as he just remembers everything clearly. It's like it is a flashback mm -hmm. when he's reminded of stuff. You know, honestly, it, the more I keep thinking about it and how they treat his eidetic memory, it almost feels like a Tourette's tick. I could see that. Like it's it something he can't control. And it could be just part of, because the drill have it. It's something very drill. Yeah. Like they mentioned that that is something that's a part of their species. Yeah. So it could be part of their biology that they associate and do things like that. Like for a purpose that worked mm -hmm. on their planet as they were evolving in doing all of that weird stuff. I mean, I think it would be now granted this is working on my very limited knowledge of like human brain chemistry, but it almost feels like it's synapses that need to be released in the form of a physical or in this case, vocal tick in order to relieve the brain synapses or something like that like when well, i would I, be curious if like each drill has a different release and this is just right yeah that would be really interesting yeah mass effect yeah come on get, on get us to be more writers explore that more, more. explore we'll, that more but we'll, the first time this comes we'll out him. is yeah the first time this comes out is because he mentions having the eidetic memory and shepherd says oh so you relive every assassination you've ever done and the guilt associated with it. And he like flicks into that memory. Um, and you don't get too much more about it yet. Right. This is also where you learn a little bit about his upbringing and how the Hanar, when he was six, started training him to be an assassin. And Shepard goes in response to that going, you've been killing people since you were six year old, years old. And he was like, no. Nah, 12. I was 12. <laughs> My first kill was at 12. <clears throat> they had yeah. to train me. <laughs> they, I actually, uh, I actually, normally I'm like, a, okay, child soldiers, child assassins. That's not freaking cool. But the way it's presented in the drell Hanar relationship, it feels more like an honor mm -hmm. than an actual like it's more he's more of an honored member of society rather than a tool i think that's how he views it and how like their entire society views it for right sure. and he even I says mean, that like he yeah. says i was not because he says something about being a tool for something and shepherd goes you're not a tool a tool you were a child and he goes i've explained this wrong hold up let's take a step back yeah. Um, and I mean, granted, you know, not everyone, not every Drell is trained as an assassin. And the Drell are pretty short lived um, yeah. in the scheme of things. If I recall, they only live to like 40 or 50. Yeah. So, I mean, for all we know, maybe at 12, that is adulthood for them. Right. I mean, it's hard to say. That's not really. Hopefully they outlive the goddamn Solarians. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I'm really super angry about Solarians right now. Yeah. I'll oh, get yeah. over it, but They're the worst. <laughs> I so I don't know, man. The Batarians. The Batarians are 
fucking. <sighs> I don't think Mass Effect series has given the Batarians any sort of redeeming qualities at all. No, they really haven't. They haven't built them out. There's they're just a they're bunch slave of, traders, they're yeah. human traffickers. They're, yeah. they're I'm going to I'm going to get up on my child soldier uh, soapbox because. Oh, yeah, for sure. Things for Thane's backstory that I was not super in love with. <laughs> <laughs> so the Drawl do have a lifespan of 85 galactic standard years. 85. Uh-huh. Oh, the Drawl? Uh, they might have shorter oh. lifespans due to the current world that they're living on. Right. Um, however, I sort of read the that Thane defending his upbringing and what he did as sort of like a brainwashing, not mm, necessarily on purpose. Right. But it is mentioned in his backstory and with what he tells you that he has an eidetic memory and he remembers every single thing that he does. So even though like the, the Drell and Thane have a religious um, experience where they consider their body and soul separate and the body and soul work together, but the soul is not affected by the things that the body does necessarily especially right. if they're ordered by the hanar yeah so in a normal drill when they're not being used as tools of murder then that's sort of different than being used as a tool of murder for the hanar mm-hmm. and it seems more like a defense mechanism saying that the soul isn't affected because my body is just a tool that's being directed. And he compares, he says, do you blame your gun for the murders that you've done? And she says, but my gun doesn't make a choice. It doesn't right. have the ability to make choices. And he goes, well, I, I, that's just my body doing an order. It's not, mm-hmm. which isn't true <laughs> as a right. person, even if you're following orders for something that's still orders that you're making the choice to follow. So I felt like that was a little, they didn't really explore that gray as much as they probably could have. I agree. It feels a little Templar-ish and a little bit like, you're right. Like, I remember the first time I played through it being like, he's a little brainwashed, ain't he? Yeah. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, that's the belief system that his entire society works under. Yeah, so which which doesn't necessarily make it right. Right. Yeah. But and the moral code that he has does show that he he thinks about these things still. Like the when he went after future discussion murder people for his own choice, he considers those murders that he made the choice to make. Mm-hmm. So he feels like he has to atone for those. Right. But I don't think the fact that he can flash back to those memories of past murders that he's done. And mentions that he does flash back to them and remember them. It shows that he he's not necessarily being as honest about saying that, well, I have no problem that I did those. I feel no no remorse. He prays after he does every single one of them for his right. soul and the sins that he's committed. Like, it's... It, he, he's he, not being completely honest, I feel like. It's how he like he's doing his Hail Marys, if you will. Honestly, um... Yeah. Coming from a Irish Catholic background, the sacrament of 
and yeah, it's called sacrament of confession um, or reconciliation or whatever the hell it's called. I forget now. Uh, I'm a recovering Catholic. So, <laughs> you know, uh, it, it is the, the recognition and the acknowledgement of the sins to the Lord is what gives you forgiveness and like your actions or your prayers in order to resolve yourself are what make you forgiven. Mm-hmm. So I think it's also people really get into religion, mm-hmm. like really get into religion. It's a, people do a lot of things in the name of their God. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I that's really kind thing, of all I have to say about that. <laughs> yeah. I think the thing that makes it, less uncomfortable for me is that Thane is not trying to push his religion on you. He's explaining it because you've yeah. asked. He's yeah. not saying you need to believe in this. You need to, um, it doesn't seem like the Drell are trying to spread their religion. Right. This is just the way they think. And that makes right. me feel a little bit better about it, I guess. Through I, yeah. I mean, my I, problem was never yeah. about him trying to make you believe him. Right. Yeah. It was always about going, there's definitely a disconnect in the actions and the responses that you've kind of been giving. Mm-hmm. And then during your loyalty mission, what are you trying to stop your son from doing? Sorry yeah. for jumping ahead, but what are you saying that you don't want your son to get involved in whatsoever? Yeah. Like there's a difference in how he's saying that it is and then how he's actually reacting. So right? if I may, Kolyat yeah. was not raised as an, as an assassin for the no. Hanar as Thane was. So mm-hmm. when he's trying to prevent Kolyat from, from becoming an assassin or becoming a tough, if you will. Um, it's because he, Koliat does not have the training or the um, belief system that has been imbued within Thane. Right. Not that that's right. Not that that's, you know, but I think that's where Thane is coming from with that. Like, he didn't want his son to have to do that. He didn't give his son to the Hanar as his parents did mm-hmm. for that exact reason. Like, right. Yeah. I I guess I kind of am a little weird about it too. And I think you're right, Tawny. I think that definitely he explains that his his son's mind, his soul and his body are not aligned. Mm -hmm. Like he explains it as when your soul and body aren't working together or whatever, it's usually because you're injured or you're sick or you're hurting. You know, Um, Honestly, I kind of, I kind of take Thane's reaction to his son the very similar way, like my sister reacted when I was like, "Hey, I'm going to apply for this, uh, uh, you know, nine one one operator job." She's like, "You sure you want to do that? You've never experienced it before. You haven't had the training. People are going to call about some really fucked up shit." Mm-hmm. you really going to be able to separate yourself from that right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, that's as much as I can really kind right. of that relate to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it just, yeah. Like I, I think well, yeah, as, nobody's getting himself into. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. And you know, 
Thane is like, I was raised this way. I know nothing else than this mm-hmm. way. Mm-hmm. You have a choice. And yeah. If okay. I, can- I do agree. I do agree with that. Yeah. I I feel like the the macro look at it, like the micro makes sense. Like mm-hmm. how right. he goes against those, how he feels, how he tells you he feels about it. But when you look at how he feels about his upbringing and assassinations and stuff and looks at it on a macro level, mm-hmm. yeah. that's when I kind of get that whole, do you see how this doesn't make sense? I, Probably I, more writing-wise than yeah. character-wise, honestly. I super get where but. you're coming from because I, we all know that I went into Mass Effect 2 expecting to romance Garrus. And mm-hmm. I started that route. Um, and as I started to get to know Thane's character um, as a friend, um, it was like, I was like, oh, he a little brainwashed. There's a little, there's something there. And then as Garrus. she's trying to say. She told Garrus he was just a friend. I, and you, no. And then, and then Garrus heart. did his weird shit that he does where he's like, I'm going to do some research. Mm-hmm. And you're like, you're going to do research for 18 months while we're on this ship. Is that your plan? That's what happens when you speed run the romances, Tawny. It's I can't not Garrus's fault. You can't speed run romance. Okay. It's but, not how it works. But Thane welcomes you into his life in such a way that uh, it, um, I don't know, it just makes my character as Shepard feel much closer to him than Garrus does. Like, Garrus oh. holds you at arm's length. You guys, I, I, hate you to com- I hate to completely interrupt what is happening, but I found myself down another really strange rabbit hole. <sighs> <laughs> Is bleach? it Thane sweaters? Is Thane wearing a sweater? Because no, I it's the anatomy of uh, Draldicks. It's Draldicks. Oh, it's Drell-dicks. that's what it is. Yeah, it's I tell what, me not to Google oh. it. Someone tell me not to Google this right now. Uh, I already right sent now. you the link. Don't Google it right now. I already sent you the link. Um, that means obviously we have to look at it. Yeah, sorry guys. While I, just, I open that link up, I'm gonna just do <laughs> my thing and say that. Um, uh, it's in a it's in the, the Facebook chat. Oh, okay. I'm gonna say that. <laughs> Um, the reason that you feel so connected and close to Thane is because he's dying. So he <laughs> well, okay. I'll give you that, Jordan. I will, but <laughs> Dreldick is weird looking. Um, it's, yeah, it's weird. I, um, I, I think it's because he, he shows an, it, I mean, for one, he tells you he hasn't had friends in like a decade. You're his first friend in a decade because he yeah, kind of shut his brain down after his wife died. Yeah. Um, because he spent all this time like trying to find her killers and all of that, which I guess we'll get into in a little bit. But like he shares his life with Shepard in a more like, I don't know. It's just he actually shares his life with Shepard, whereas Garrus is always holding you at arm's length. There's always some sort of disconnect. For Garrus, it's it's clinical. It's um, research, right? For Thane, it's not. I didn't consider Garrus's thing as clinical when he said he needed to research it. That's the way it felt to me. Because yeah. you're a hater. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> but I get um, it. Thane does feel very connected because mm-hmm. he... He's sort of taking this as like his last hurrah at life. So right. he's all in 
and not thinking about the long term as much. I think, I think there's more fear with Garrus because he's afraid he's going to uh, do something wrong. I think and the other thing holding the friendship that is so important to both of you over this as well. Yes. Okay, but th- so this comes up a little bit later in in Thane's storyline, but Shepard is kind of the one that takes the reins in the romance with Thane. Like yeah. Shepard is the one that says it doesn't matter I'm interested in you. And yeah. like and then when Thane starts like um coming to Shepard with his fears and his worries, like Shepard is the one that takes that and like I don't know. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, it's, there's, I, it, ah, there's more of a, it's more explicit emotional content than implied emotional content. Yes. 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 yes thank yes. you. You're welcome. I'm really glad I thought of those big words. <laughs> it's been a rough word day so far. Yes. <laughs> I we actually um, roll into his loyalty mission now. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do that. So Thane finally tells you about his yes. son, that his son is disconnected and that he fe- he fears his son is about to do something he can't come back from and starting down a path that is dark. Um, that's where he kind of explains to you the, the drill disconnect of, between body and soul and all of that. And you go to the Citadel to stop this, like, assassination mission that mm-hmm. his son has managed to get a hold of. Um, well, and Kolyat has been hired basically because of his name is what you think to start yeah. with um, to kill a Turian politician. Yes. And you don't know that right away. You kind of just know that he's vaguely there and that he's there to kill somebody mm-hmm. um you meet with the c csac so citadel security and you meet officer bailey who i hate but it's michael hogan see like i had a really i have really interesting thoughts about uh bailey i'm like so is bailey super corrupt asshole or just a softy I think he's a softie. That's the vibe I, I get. Both. Yeah. Because I, I think he, you find out very quickly when talking with Bailey that uh, he is on the take with a certain uh, criminal. criminal boss. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, I think he is definitely a super gray character, like middle of the road, gray as fuck. Because he's just like, all right, he buys tickets to the CSEC dance every year or whatever it is. And I think of it as like the, the policeman's ball. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. Like it's the policeman's ball. You know, the criminal agrees to buy that every year from him. And, you know, the criminal agrees to not do a lot of, to kind of keep it on the down low. And while I definitely would not make that choice personally, like if you're a bad guy, you're a bad guy. But I'm 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 very personally pretty black and white about things. Like you, you screw up, own up to it, deal with the consequences, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I could see how that would be a useful tactic for someone who is basically a cop. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not very 
excited about it because I don't really like bribing shouldn't be a thing. Yeah. That's the problem that I have. He admits to taking bribes from the leader of an organized crime syndicate in the Citadel. And he does this after doing the whole song and dance about, well, I'm helping you because, you know, a lot of times parents don't care about their kids falling down a dark path. And I want you to be able to help him if you can. So he gives you like the name of who he last like saw him talking to and all of that kind of stuff to try to find out who, who hired this kid. So mm-hmm. you find out that he talked to mouse, you go talk to mouse and then you come back. We're going to get to the conversation to mouse, but okay. you come back and he's like, Oh shit. When you tell him who hired him, because it's the person that has Bailey on the take mm-hmm. and Bailey has to quote unquote approach it very carefully so that he doesn't know that you're being assisted by him to get this guy right? because he's his bribe person. He's mm-hmm. giving him bribes. Right. And, and it's- I, I'm like Sarah. I'm, I'm very, I am probably a little bit more black and white than Sarah is. Cause as soon as I saw that, I was like, see so you're a piece of shit. Yeah. yeah right. Yeah. Still in it. Like, the other thing that gets me is even after the whole shit with Colyot, he's like, well, he shot some people, so I'm going to have to put him away. And you're like, you overlook all of this other shit, but you're not willing to overlook this kid who took down some bad people? Right. And that... Oh, I, I... That entire scenario made me super uncomfortable in this loyalty mission. I am... Take the kid off of the Citadel. Bring him someplace else. You're a fucking specter. Well, right. you don't have to listen Citadel to that. later. Like, in the Citadel later, you come across this character. Bailey. I keep wanting to call him Ty. Um, right, yeah. Fucking bouncer. Uh, my... Uh, I, hesi- I hesitate to bring this up in this manner but the fact that the person bailey is getting a bribe from is human and yeah yeah it seems very speciesist i can see that well but when you come across bailey in the citadel later he's still doing shady shit yeah like i believe this is mass effect 3 so i won't go too far into it but he's still doing shady shit so it's like you find a dirty cop Basically, mm-hmm. like right. a dirty cop that is there to do his own thing and get that done and doesn't actually care. Because I'm sorry, Garrus would never. The reason Garrus left the CSAC is because they wouldn't let him do the right thing. Mm-hmm. And right. then here's this guy in CSAC, which he states in game that is basically humans now. Mm-hmm. CSAC is basically humans yeah. for some reason. And there's all of this shit going on and he's accepting bribes and he's doing all of this shit. I'm sorry. Humans in today time can't handle being police officers. Let's not bring that to space. (laughs) Let's not do that. (laughs) Right. Like this is also very charged time with police officers in the United States, especially this was made before that blew up. I mean, the problems have always existed, but this was before that blew up. And watching this now, it's like, oh, yep. oh cringe. Like, Oh, really super hard. cringy. It's just like, oh, come on. Yeah. And I don't know. I feel like this was something where Shepard, as a specter, should have taken out Bailey. 
Bailey. I actually had this question. Is Shepard still a Spectre in Mass Effect 2? Because technically, they're You're not. You're always a Spectre. But, so that's the thing. You're not really checking in with the council anymore. Yeah. You don't have to. to. Right. But like, technically, like Shepard died, right? So everyone thought Shepard was dead. Two years later, you're working for Cerberus. And then they kind of don't really mention that you're a Spectre in Mass Effect 2 at all. Yeah, they don't. Mm -mm. You can mention you're a Spectre in this mission. Can you? Oh. Yeah. If you do the play, the Paragon playthrough of this mission, you can mention you're a Spectre. Okay. Yeah, I suppose it's kind of like it doesn't go away. Right. Really. I think just you have to be stripped of it. Well, yeah, I yeah. think it's something that gets overshadowed by the fact that you're working for Cerberus, and it's just less important than it was in Mass Effect 1. Which is, I thought was odd. The Spectre is like very important. Right. So As, like, I thought it was odd that Shepard did not throw that around a little more in Mass Effect 2. Yeah. Right. I, yeah, so like. We're going to get to, like, the actual Thane part of this loyalty mission. <laughs> but in your role as a Spectre, I think if you had just taken out Bailey, there is no reason that they would have had any reason to hold Coliat. And you could have just taken over this entire thing and been like, you're not. Because Spectres can do whatever the fuck they want to do. I mean, And I you're, you stopped the thing from moving forward anyways. So technically, he didn't actually... Like, he shot a couple people, but, I mean, they're bodyguards. That's their job. Right. <laughs> to be fair, yeah. Right. Um, and, like, you could have literally taken out the asshole dude, too, and there would have been no That's consequences. True. Right. That's, There's all yeah. of this shit. But yeah. sorry. To get into it, anyways, um, when you first go in, you meet Bailey to find out if a drill has come and Bailey's like, oh, well, we don't get a lot of draws, so let me check. And he's like, yeah, we had one come in. Uh, one of our guys saw him talking to Mouse. Um, so then you talk to Bailey a little bit and he says, you know, I want to help you because a lot of times parents don't care, yada, yada. Um, but you see it almost instantly. Thane is like, Mouse. And you're like, you know him? What's up? And... <laughs> You come to find out that Mouse was, like, some orphan kid running around the streets of the Citadel, like, back when this was Thane's, like, operating area. Mm -hmm. And he helped basically, like, pull Mouse up out of the gutters and, like, almost stand in it as what he couldn't do for his son after Mm -hmm. all of the stuff that we'll get into in a little bit. Um, Yeah. So the relationship between I, this is a like the first thing that really humanizes Thane that you're like they're telling us backstory we're getting real backstory oh my yeah. god um, yeah and it was really sweet like one I am glad I watched a Paragon version of this playthrough because Jaguar 550 kind of ran it as a renegade if you don't just uh, during the questioning yeah but I don't yeah. think it was the end decision not so much. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but during the questioning of Mouse, like you can just beat Mouse's ass yeah. instead of just like letting Thane talk to him. Yeah, and that's talk definitely about what shit. I did. Yeah, because Mouse eventually breaks and lets you know the information that you want to know. Thane took care of him when he was a kid, and then he asks Thane to please take out the oh, what's that guy's name actually? By the way, uh, the Turian politician. No, the lead. Oh, 
the jerk face. Who, oh, um, I don't know if I have that written down anywhere. I'm not sure. I don't. I didn't write it down either. I'm sorry. Well, the we'll just call him uh, Mafia guy. Yeah. Um, because he's an organized crime boss. He says, "Please put a bullet into Mafia guy." Because as soon as he finds out that I'm the one that told you about this, I'm a goner. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, then you kind of like talk to Thane after this conversation, and he talks about how. Mouse was always at his side and always wanted to be like next to him and friendly with him. And Mouse gave Thane a hollow of himself so he wouldn't forget him and started patting at Thane's pockets and going, what about your son? You don't have one of your son, which was super sad. But And that's the thing. Thane goes like, I didn't need that hollow. He didn't need to give me a hollow because I could never forget. I could never. Right. Um, So it's kind of a, like when he says, where's the one of your son? It's like, he doesn't need one, but yeah. Yeah. But like at the same time, like he was like, yeah, it was sentimental. Yeah. And then it was like, he never felt that sentimentality about his son. Yeah. Like he could think of him, but he couldn't actually see him. Like, if he pulled it out. And yeah. part of that is probably for safety of his job, right? Like, mm-hmm. we already found out that there was danger aligned in his job that his family paid for. But, you know, that very sweet moment of him being truly kind to these ignored kids and, like, gutter rats and stuff that he used to get information. Mm-hmm. Um, so you go back and tell Bailey... Bailey does that. Oh, but I'm a dirty cop and he's been paying me, but I guess I can just stay out of the way until you're done talking to him. Um, (laughs) And then you get the good cop, bad cop bit, which is just. uh, So do you want to run through how your approach to that scene went? And then I'll tell you what the actual Paragon version of that scene (laughs) is. Yeah, I mean. So I, when I did it, like I tried to play through it as full Paragon and you fail, like you don't get the information out of him that you need. And maybe again, it was because like, I just wasn't high enough level because I ran through the whole romance really, really fast because I have to, um, (laughs) it's, uh, uh, obligatory. Um, so you just don't get the information. And then like, by the time you get to the end of it, Kolyat winds up killing the, um, the Turian politician because you can't stop him because you don't get there fast enough. Um, but if you go back and you do the little bit of renegade moments with the good cop, bad cop scene, um, you get the information that you need and you wind up knocking the dude out cold. Yeah. Um, which is and, pretty satisfying. And Thane <laughs> actually tries to stop you at one point. He's like, Hey, let's take this down a notch. We need to get the information out of him. And you're playing this really hard ball. <laughs> um, and like instantly you like start choking the dude and Thane's like, all right, bitch. <laughs> so go if, you off. Do, if you do the actual Paragon full playthrough because you have enough points to do it, um, <sighs> you, you <clears throat> refrain from hitting him. You just say, there's no reason that we need to bring you in for charges on this. We're literally just after this assassin. We don't care about you. We mm-hmm. just did it. You go over that a couple times. And then 
Thane pulls you away and he goes, you know, we're really running out of time. Bailey can only hold off this guy for so long. And you turn back to him and you try questioning, questioning him again. And then the door is open and his yeah. lawyer comes in mm-hmm. and you say again, oh, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. You say again, like, I need this information. And the lawyer's like, oh man, like, why do you have him strapped down to the table? What the fuck? Fart noises with my mouth. (laughs) Who are you to do this? And Shepard looks straight at him and he goes, I'm a specter. And he goes, oh. (laughs) He looks at at the mafia guy and and the mafia guy's like, well, what does that mean? He's like, it means they can do whatever they want. (laughs) It means you're screwed, yo. And you ask him one more time, tell me. I could just kill you here right now if I wanted to no without any that. consequences. I don't give a shit about you. Tell me about who you hired mm-hmm. and who they're going for. And then he tells you. And then you go out. You follow the guy. You get to the room. You see Colliat do the thing where he jumps out and shoots his Kroging bodyguard and <laughs> follows him. And then you get to the discussion point, right? Mm-hmm. That's when when the sad part starts. It's Dane coming out and going, you don't want to do this. Please stop. And his son goes, now, now Now you're here. Now you want to show up. And this is the point where the CSEC officers show up. And decide they're actually going to do their fucking job now, I guess. That you got all the information. Including Bailey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, he starts, Coliat starts going, you know, I'm just going to walk out of here with him. Like, this is how he's going to do it. And Thane's like, no, they're going to have snipers. They're going to have snipers on the roofs outside. And you can take that chance when Coliat's kind of distracted and shoot a lamp out from behind him, which startles him. Mm-hmm. And you can get the Turian politician, Joram Talid, out of there, basically. <laughs> you can do the same thing if you do, like, the more renegade side of the good cop, bad cop moment. So. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I, just, I mean, it's just getting the information, yes, right, yes. for that part. It really is, yeah. I think it's uh, very interesting because I get the feeling that if it were, crap, what's his Thane? If it were Thane, he wouldn't have flinched at the light being shot out oh no way no way he's a professional like he he also knows that he's about to die right so he's doing one of those things where he's not afraid of death pride is the line between a professional and a thug (laughs) yeah one of the many quotes i did have a quote from this mission because we didn't talk about this because once you start following talid as he's walking around, because you track him down and start following him so you can see when Coliat's going to come out. Mm-hmm. Thane has you follow on the... Oh, you're going to you're gonna steal one of my favorite quotes. Oh, you can do it. I'll, I'll just lead up to it. Okay. Um, Thane has you follow on the catwalk above, like, the market area that he's walking through, like, the business area. So you walk past and like listen to him talk to a shit ton of people um this part screwed me the hell up so many times and uh when he when you leave thane gives this super badass line <laughs> is it are was this the where will you be oh no no um 
Is the, the Amonkira? Yes, Amonkira. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, because that, that follows like right after. You're like, where will you be? Shepard says. Yeah. Uh, the darkest corner with the best view. Yep. And as Shepard leaves the scene, you get Amonkira, Lord of Hunters, grant my hands be steady, aim my aim be true, and my feet be swift. And should the worst come to pass, grant me forgiveness. Then he just straight up disappears when two like, people cross in front of him. It's so yeah, cool. It's like, what? Yep. Like, really edge up that assassin shit. I love it. So good. Ninja. So good. Everything is so good. There's, it's all everything. It, ah, it's all so good. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, like, you get to that, the end bit. CSEC comes in, shuts it all down eventually. And, um, Thane starts talking to his son and he's like, I'm really glad we were able to stop you. You don't know what path you were heading down. Like, I am ready to be here for you. And Shepard is able to pop in and say, like, your father's dying. He doesn't have a lot of time left. And he wanted to see- seek you out and fix things and talk to you and get close to you. And of mm-hmm. course, of course, Kolyad is like, really? For real? Right now? This is, this is the moment that you chose? Like, whatever and Thane kind of busts through that a little bit just like because he's Thane because Coliad is like you just want to die a peaceful death with no regrets and Thane was like I want to bring you peace peace. yeah this was the the one quote oh god I didn't type it up hang on I have it He says, um, I've taken many bad things out of the world. You were the only good thing I ever added to it. Yeah, that that choked me up a bit. That's the thing that like busts through the, the barriers a little bit. Right. And um, you see him cry, like the little shiny trails down Koliath's drilled cheeks. And then Bailey busts into the moment being like, you don't want to have this moment in front of a bunch of strangers. I wanted to slap the shit out of Bailey Let's for bring that. bring him down to the station and put him in a room and let them talk as long as they want. I was like, you just want to arrest him, you motherfucker, without having to find a way out of here. Right. I was also like, you didn't want to write that scene, did you, writers? Yeah. Yeah, way to go, assholes. Yeah. And yeah, I said it. I called them assholes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And then they kind of flash cut to to the the CSAC office. And after a couple like panning seconds across the office, Thane walks out of a cell interrogation room mm-hmm. up to you and Bailey and says that paraphrasing, um, this isn't going to be something that can be fixed with a few words. But mm-hmm. nothing worth pursuing is easy. Easy, yeah. And then the then Bailey's like, "Well, you know, we're gonna have to book him for like shooting those couple of guys." Like you're a dick bag. How about you just like, give him? Those were bad dudes. Seriously, Bailey. Yeah, and he folds like instantly it doesn't take anything more than they yeah shepherd's like he's a kid that wants to do good give him community service and he's like yeah. a judge isn't gonna agree to that so suddenly you're worried about what a judge thinks bro <laughs> like <laughs> so suddenly we have morals what, what if is I tell going that on judge about your creds? bribery yeah, yeah. For real. You don't have like creds in your pocket suddenly it's all about what the law does and does not want mm. dude <laughs> yeah like what the 
Anyhow, you get Kolyat right. off, um, off of his charges, whatever, mm-hmm. and you go back to the Normandy. Mm-hmm. Um, this so this is the point where the next time you speak with Thane, um, because it, it had come up during the conversation between him and Kolyat, the death of his wife. Yeah. Um, he says the last time I saw him. And then he goes into another flashback, and you can tell that it's when they were putting his wife's body to rest um, in the oceans of Kaje. And he goes into this flashback of um, they wrapped her in seaweed, they dropped her into the ocean, and then his son, like, hitting him and saying, why weren't you there? Why didn't you um, do something? And, like, ooh, damn. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a pretty harsh one, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but he has, then he says to you, like, I'm sorry, I'm sure that came as a bit of a shock. Like, I probably should have told you about my wife's death before this. Mm-hmm. Um, and Shepard has a couple of options, obviously, but like the right answer. <laughs> <laughs> um, the right answer is I figured you would answer. tell me in your own time, um, like when you were ready. Right. And. Then he calls you Siha for the first time. Mm-hmm. And it's super cute. <laughs> the cute thing about the Siha thing is you Shepard asks, she asked what that meant, and he's like, uh, I'll, tell, I'll tell you another time. It's so uh, mysterious and cute. Okay, it sorry. is pretty adorable. And you kind of, I, we haven't delved into this explicitly yet, but you find out that, at, did we talk about how the Batarians killed his wife no. on his behalf? I was so, The Batarians, the fucking awful slave bitches, Batarians, hunt down his wife and kill her. Yeah. Well, because he had murdered one of their leaders um, in yeah. service of the Hanar. Yeah, they went to the shadow broker and got his name. Were too scared to attack him, so they tracked down his wife and killed her. Yes, and then instead of staying with his son to try and mm-hmm. he left Coliat uh, with his aunts and uncles, and mm-hmm. then went off to hunt these Batarians who had killed his wife. Um, and let's put some respect on her name because she she yes. really was a real one. Her name was Erica. Thank you. I was trying to find it while we were talking and I couldn't find it. I-R-I-K-A-H. I I remember it very strongly because I was like, that's pretty. That's a really pretty name. And I appreciate it because when they did the same thing with Samara, they ignored the existence of her previous relationship. Yeah, they did not hear the name. Yeah. He brings Erica up a lot and he talks Mm -hmm. about her in ways that like he still very much cares about her. Just because he cares about Shepard doesn't mean that he can forget about Erica. And mm-hmm. I think that that is just really great writing for one. Um, yeah. Because that's unfair to her memory if he's just like, well, that bitch is gone. I'm with you now. Pew, 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 pew. I mean, God, if Brad were to, heaven forbid, you know, keel over like 10 minutes from now, I would definitely be more like Thane than anything. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, it would take a long time to find that other person that can help you through and live your life but it's not like you're gonna forget either mm-hmm. so yeah i appreciate that they they made so many references to erica and they made it such a big part of his backstory and a part of his current story even yeah so 
that's my soapbox. <laughs> it was no, I mean, that, yeah. yeah. It was very it, good. There's something to say about respecting the depth of a relationship. Mm-hmm. Yes. And like when you're talking about a spouse, that's usually not something you go into like, oh, I bet you two hours ago, let's get married. Right. You know, like that's for a lot of people, that's a big thing. Mm-hmm. And especially because like for Thane specifically, in the story that he outlines, he left the service of the Hanar and they let him go because he wanted to settle and create a family with this person. Mm-hmm. And the full scale commitment with the Hanar wouldn't have allowed for that. Mm-hmm. So they let him go freely. They said, yes, do it. Like, do that. Of course, he only knew how to do assassin shit because he's only been ever taught and shown how to do assassin shit his entire life. So he did freelance assassin shit (laughs) while being with Erica and having Kaliat. And that came back then to do this entire tragedy. Um, But, like, he only ever knew that. And he left as much of it as like he could and separated it from his life as much as he could so that he could live again a dual life sort of like the body and soul where he worked to do one thing and kept his soul in one piece by following things that he mm-hmm. believed was right when he had a choice mm-hmm. um so it is interesting it's a very interesting way and the respect that they gave to that relationship was very nice yes I'm trying to um, find where's the full quote on Siha and the meaning. Oh, I have it the written down. The only reason I didn't okay. write that down is because I was so sure Tani was going to. I was so sure it. I had it, but it's not in my notes. And it's probably uh, because I so thought I would just fucking remember it. And I What Siha means is Siha is the well, warrior. I know she's the warrior avenging angel. Uh, the warrior angels of the goddess of Arashu. Arashu fierce in wrath. A tenacious protector. A tenacious protector. That's the part I was missing. <laughs> um, yeah. Later, the next time you visit him, you can say, okay, so Siha meant what though? And he pulls out that quote. And it like, it's one of those moments where you're like, okay, this is a thing that's religious for you. But like, I love the idea of being someone's fucking warrior goddess. Uh, well, warrior angel, avenging yeah. Yeah. warrior angel who like, <laughs> I'll, yeah, I mean, I'll take it. Fuck shit up. <laughs> Let's go. I like so. how he he portrayed it. I never thought I would find another one. Yeah, because you yeah, know that was really beautiful too. You know that was how, like, that's how in depth he felt about her, and he's bringing that same passion and care into this Mm -hmm. right somebody that he was obviously madly in love with before and how much like fucking respect like seriously as my character as shepherd is like respect dude she stepped in front of the bead of a sniper rifle yeah and it was like fight me right like mad respect yo and like they still killed that person but it wasn't that day (laughs) right yeah uh, and Another then he seeked her out like he remembered the sunset color of her eyes when she stepped into the scope mm-hmm. and found her weeks later and then, you know, whatever, fell in love, started a family, etc. 
Um, Which is interesting. He said the sunset color of her eyes. I wonder the different colorations of the drawl. My assumption was that it was a reflection of the sunset. That he probably had his back to while he was trying to shoot this person. Okay. Just a guess. That's my guess. Yeah, we don't see a lot of different colors. Yeah, Kolyat is like the only other drill we see, and he looks very similar to Thane. He's also related to him, so it's hard to say is that what drill are supposed to look like, or (laughs) yeah, yeah. There's not much reference. Half Thane, half Erica. But sometimes that doesn't matter in terms of how you're true. true. You actually come out, but I think um, that was definitely a strong part of him telling you that and saying that this thing makes him feel like he's woken up because you say I've been dead for two years and this is like an awakening that I can bring and look forward to the future and do all this stuff. And he's like, yes, I feel like I've awoken after 10 years. No, 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 no. He specifically says I've been dead for 10 years years. because I specifically remember (laughs) thinking it's not a fucking contest. I did that too. (laughs) <laughs> like, like yes Dane, you felt destroyed in your soul but i was yeah. actually dead like yeah. legit dead <laughs> like don't give me this my soul was dead I, yeah. yeah no not <laughs> the same thing so as no goddamn pulse or brain activity <laughs> i cut Johnny's him some track because it. he's dying oh whatever i'm oh, dying that's but he's dying no. did he die though did he die though did he die i mean probably die? a little bit inside of his soul did, did he, he really die though a did little bit in his though? soul. In his soul, though. Did he die, though? We're going to have this fight forever. We could go back and forth forever. <laughs> I will yeah, continue I'm... to defend Thane. <laughs> fight okay. me. Uh, I have I have small swords. Do you want to go? Um, See, I... this is... Masked. This is Tawny <laughs> trying masked. to us for Garrus' episode. Yes. yes girl, is. don't come at me with swords. <laughs> <laughs> um, <sighs> but it was... It was sweet him showing that he's being reawakened into caring. And I think this is why he's so, why later he feels fear Mm -hmm. that he's going to die now. Because before he was prepared, he was at peace that he's going to. Now he doesn't want to. He has something to look forward to, which it's a little, uh, he has a kid. So I feel a little bit uncomfortable that this is the thing that he mentions that he brings that up. He says like, before all of this happened, I had nothing to care for, but myself, what you have brought me, you have brought me the ability to care for you and to care for my son again. Like, because he had no contact with his son. And maybe he should have created that contact, but he didn't. And Shepard was like grease of the wheel that helped that happen. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, he expected to die when he was killing Nasana um, Dantius. He expected to die after that. And I'm not saying that's right. He probably should have reached out to his son first. Probably. But he didn't have the courage to do that. I mean, yeah. like So Shepard opened that door for him and allowed him to realize life was still worth living and creating connections was still a worthwhile thing. I get you, Tawny. I get you. I don't agree, but I get (laughs) you. Shepard not only saved the universe, but 
Thane's soul. And his heart. <laughs> We're making a little heart symbol just in case anyone. Sarah's disgusted face is like, <laughs> I, so that was the thing that kind of bugged me about that section. Yeah. It was very romantic. It was very sweet. But I looked at it and I'm like, you had a son with the woman you loved more than anything. And you fell into this depressive battle frenzy. And you you killed the people that took out your wife. You tracked them all down. You made them suffer. You killed them. You were going to go back to your son. And you didn't feel right going back. And you had no will to live. Now you're in a romantic relationship and you have a will to live. Yeah, that's a little problematic. So I get the romance of it. But he loves me. The swooning, I I totally understand. (sighs) But part of my job is to criticize weird writing choices. And Mm -hmm. that is a weird writing choice choice. when you look at it for a couple more seconds. I will admit that it's a little weird. I like, I don't dislike it 100%, but I will point out that it's a little messed up that he has a full-on kid and was not part in any of his raising and then is like, because of you, I got to reconnect with him. If you'd called him. He acknowledges that, though. Maybe. I mean, if he... If he glossed it over and said, like, I don't know why this is all fucked up, he literally acknowledges, like, I did this. It's wrong. Yeah. The thing that I did is wrong. So if he if he hadn't acknowledged that, I would be absolutely on your page. But the thing is, he doesn't acknowledge it in this moment when he said that he's been Ted for 10 years. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> so but that's that's what I'm criticizing. Him trying, trying to, be a little to reconnect flirty. is fine. He's trying to be a little flirty. Sure. Not sure. a contest thing. God. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, just... um, I think, though, this is the first time he reaches across the table in life support and grabs your hands. And I, it's like, it is the most intimate um, moment that you get with any of the characters outside of the romance scenes. Period. Mm-hmm. Like, name another time that you get super intimate with another character that's outside of the sex scene. You know Whenever- what? Whenever Garrett says I have to do calibration, that's what I was just going to say. That is not intimate, you guys. That is not intimate. That was a joke. All right. Okay. I mean, you know. I will fight you. I will fight you. Okay. okay. Different things are different for different people, Tawny. Yeah. I'm just going to (laughs) say. The next time we see each other in person, which could be another fucking year, instead of hugging y'all, do you know what I'm going to say? She's going to say. I'm going to say. Don't mind me. I'm just doing calibrations. (laughs) And I'll swoon. And I'll just say, I've been dead for 10 years. (laughs) (laughs) I still think that Thane reaching across that table to grab Shepard's hands is... No, that was... It was a very sweet It was sweet. You're not wrong. We're just making fun of you because it's fun. Yeah. But it was very, very sweet. I liked it. And he does it after that every single time Shepard comes to speak with him. And there's a quote that he says at one point, I don't remember when it happens, but he reaches across the table and he says, hold up. It might be a quote that I know. Time for me is short, Siha, but any that I have is yours to take. Yeah, I knew, yeah, I knew you were going to yeah. quote that one. Um, and Which is I, fine. Like, 
there's another one that he does around this time that I really liked and plays so well into his character and the interactions that you've had to him. He says, I look forward to the memories, which is sweet. Oh my God. I was like, ah, arrow straight to the heart. It hits you right there in the middle. Straight up Bon Jovi, shot to the heart. (laughs) Um, Mm -hmm. But that, I think part of the reason that that hit me so hard too is because he is dying. Mm -hmm. It's something that even when he's still with you and even when he's still with you and through his life, he's going to be looking back on that fondly. He's straight up telling you this. Well, he tells you this in Mass Effect 3 too. And I'm going to. Well, here, here, here. Here's a here's a here's a downer. Mm-hmm. Sure, he may enjoy those memories, but he's gonna die. Yeah, which and is why gone. I never romance him. We should talk it's about sad. this when we talk about Mass Effect Three. But even yes. after he dies, they keep the intimacy up. And I don't. I'm not gonna say anything right now because I don't want to spoil Mass Effect Three. Uh, people listen to Mass Effect Two, but we're yes. not talking like necrophilia. We're just no. talking like yes. the feelings. <laughs> Are they there. keep the feelings okay. very present. Okay, and okay, okay, okay. Just, just sure. I actually really enjoy <laughs> the way they treat Thane's character in Mass Effect 3. Um, I, and we'll talk about I'm that just when we get clar- to Mass Effect 3. I'm just clarifying because I've been a down like four weird-ass rabbit holes in <laughs> <laughs> like the time we've been recording. And it's just... Yeah. Present. Just clarification. Yeah, no. But they, they, it, it, they have built up this intimacy with Thane... And they don't let it drop even after he passes away in Mass yeah. Effect 3. And that's yeah, not even a spoiler. Nice. He dies in Mass Effect 3. Like, you know. Yeah, it's gonna I mean, it's going to die. And he's been dead for 10 years. Right. Do like, we do we want to roll into the the um, sex scene? the sexy scene? Yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Um. So Shepard's kind of just reading at their desk and Thane comes in. Um, Tani, take it away. Okay. Like, um, we'll let you he do it, Tani. comes in and you can tell like right away that he's what? Ethan said something at me and I think he's making fun of me. Um, it's probably he's my own business. <laughs> Jordan said we're recording a podcast and you should mind your own business. Yeah, shut your ear holes, jerk. <laughs> um, so Thane comes in and you can tell right away that he's kind of wound up and it's not necessarily in a good way. Like he's feeling mm-hmm. something and you don't know what's going on. And like he comes to you and he says, like, I thought that I was dead on the inside and you've showed me how to like love and everything. And I thought I was ready to die and I'm really not ready to die. And I'm really angry at myself because I feel shame in that fear. And he cries. He's he crying. Cries. Oh, my little, the my lamps, little iguana boy. The yeah. lap dance is always better when the stripper's crying. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, I, oh, I it's was, a song, by the way. It's a song. I'm not oh, like. Okay. okay. I didn't I'm know not, that. I was <laughs> like, Sarah. It's, a, it's an awful song. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty positive it's by like, uh, oh, what are the, oh, the God, they, the, the Blood Hound Gang or whatever. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. I don't and, know these things. It's okay. Shepard comforts him and pulls pulls Thane closer to her. Be alive with me tonight. Yeah, that was like that's oh, a girl. weird line. I, I know. I know. Line. It's a it's a fucking yeah. You got me with that. 
I'm not 100% sure how I feel about this scene. On the one hand, I like it because it it does help to express emotions and relieve stress together. And they're obviously in a stressful situation and he loves her and he's telling her that and telling her about his fear. But also he's in a very emotionally vulnerable place dealing with this. So here's what I wish had happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that they didn't do this because it would have taken a lot of extra like animation, a lot of extra writing and whatever. I wish that he had come to Shepard with those fears and with those um, concerns and Shepard helped talk him through it. Uh Yeah. And then it evolved. And I think that's what they were trying to get across and they vaguely failed Um, because really like Shepard should be there as a sounding board for him because they've built up this whole intimacy and Shepard is right there with him all the way, like every step of the way. Even into Mass Effect 3, like, they talk about what he's going through and like how hard it is for him. And so really what should have happened is Shepard should have been like, I understand that you're scared and that you're shamed by the fact that you're scared of this. Like, let's just spend the time that we have together, together. And let's, I like, uh, I'm aware going into this relationship that that's where you're at. And so you're not leaving me. I know what's coming. I honestly think one line could have made it all better um, if Thane would have said, because uh, Shepard's the one that says, be alive with me tonight, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. If They'd have Thane, just given that to Thane. Yeah. If, well, if Thane would have said, I want to feel alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's still coming from a place of emotional, um, emotional vulnerable, bar, bar, vulnerability. vulnerability. Thank <laughs> you. Vulnerable, you know what? I'm not even going to try anymore. Uh, <laughs> from an emotional place, mm-hmm. but it also adds that um, ownership of decisions. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, the ownership of decision, like that consent. Yes, mm-hmm. to that that particular kind of action. So yeah. that's a really fair point. Like they could have done just that, and it would have been one extra line, which would not have taken them a whole lot of extra work, instead of, yeah, exactly. like, I feel like they should have done a full conversation, but of course I do. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean... I yeah. feel like the the takeaway that we're kind of getting from Mass Effect 2 is they didn't build enough into ensuring that the consent was clear for these scenes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They definitely missed it in most cases, and the the simplicity that they could just have people ask, right? just ask, like have people ask and respond like normal people. Yeah. Oh shit. Couldn't it have been like, be alive with me tonight. Can I kiss you? Yeah. Yeah. A question, something. A question. Or this shit kind of stuff. Do you want to be alive with me tonight? Yes. Yeah. Like just, I I think, yeah. Like personally, I'm not going to want to get into a physical relationship or a physical situation with someone who I'm emotionally attached to if they're crying. Yeah. Off Jack. Right. I think like, yeah. I'm sorry, like maybe that's the guy writer thing. They're just down to clown at all times. So they think that that's normal, but that's so many people in this world's drive mm-hmm. toward sex is very specific things have to be like tech check marks have to be mm-hmm. ticked off mm-hmm. and 
crying partner is definitely not one that you want. It's actually yeah. a, a reverse Uno card. No. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's like a... They have actually done studies about this and that the, the pheromones that are given off by crying literally turn most um, neurotypical people off yeah. instead of on. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I don't know if that's the same if we're talking outside species because he's yeah. a drow. So what kind of pheromone is he releasing via tears? But like, right. But I just, I feel like crying is pretty universal. Yeah. I think the thing that did it for me is the emotional availability of Thane. Yeah. Um, most men in our society are not emotionally available. Mm -hmm. um, and I mean, luckily those of us that are married have found ones that are, um, because why the fuck else would we be with them? Yeah. Um, but like Thane is very emotionally available to Shepard. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Um, that's very honestly, honest emotionally. Yes. Like straight up, honestly, seriously, if there's one thing in a person that I find sexy, it's emotional availability and the ability mm -hmm. to talk about things like that freely. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like that's probably... I enjoy being around people who are not ashamed of having emotions. Yes. Um, and I will call people out. I have called friends, people I consider very dear friends. If they do the whole, I shouldn't be crying. I'm like, don't you dare shame yourself for having emotions. It is yeah. completely normal. I still do. Naturally, that. And you have to try to break myself of that sometimes, but you know, like in so many situations as a woman, especially, you don't feel like you can be emotionally open because you'll get called. Um, let's talk business for a second. You'll get called emotional and bitchy. It's not Anyhow, about your team. It's about you. Uh, emotional availability is a good thing. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Be emotional. <laughs> like, yeah. I, I think that's, that's what does it for me for Thane is he's there for Shepard at every turn. Yeah. And it's one of the only relationships in Mass Effect in general where there is a little bit of give and take, like you can sit down with Thane and talk about Shepard's emotions like this mm -hmm. much. It's like the tiniest bit, but it's there. But it, yeah, it's still there. Yeah. So what do you guys think would be your favorite moments with the character or the plot and all that um, stuff? Everything, all the things, the whole thing. Um, <laughs> no, honestly, seriously, if I'm going to call out one single bit, it's super small and it's super, super simple. But it's the moment that you walk into the the life support room and you say, do you have a minute to talk? And he says, like, all the time in the world for you. And you sit down and he reaches across the table and he clasps your hands every time you walk into the room. Oh, that is pretty adorable. I think my favorite, like, one of my favorite thing moments, at least, uh, is during the interrogation or towards the end of it. Oh yeah. It was towards the end of it after the guys knocked out. Um, he said, I'd hope to avoid unnecessary bloodshed. Pure results come from pure methods. I worry about, about what is yet to come. Mm. I like that. Yeah. I do like that. That's a very like do it the right way. And you don't have to worry about what's going to happen next. And I, mm. this is kind of what I get out of that. So I did like that a lot. Mm -hmm. That was probably I, one of my favorites. I really liked Thane's um, overall goal to do things cleanly and as 
least violent as possible, surprisingly, exactly. for an assassin. Um, but my favorite thing from his thing that wasn't necessarily done by him that I thought was funny is when Morden finally talks to you about your sexy times with your roommate. Oh, yes. <laughs> I can't believe that. we forgot about that. <laughs> Morden does the thing where he's saying, you know, um, please come to me if you have any questions and you do the thing where you say, um, you know, don't worry about it. Like I care about him a lot. And he's like, well, make sure to come to me when the rash develops. <laughs> yeah. That, that was ridiculous. When you ask for advice, cause you eventually do Morden goes prolonged human to draw skin contact can cause small rash itching. Oral contact may cause mild hallucinations. And then goes into his thing that he says every time about how he provided ED diagrams and (laughs) instructional manuals and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Personally, I would probably just take Thane's hand and like lick it to see if that actually caused me like mild hallucination. Hallucination. Caused me the sea check. Man, I'm just having trouble with those words today. So the the thing is, first, you should try pre-actual intercourse to check if it's a good or bad trip. Right. Yeah, exactly. Is it contact orally from you licking him or is it if he licks you? Right. Yeah. Like there's there's some questions I have about this shit. Is he poisonous um, or venomous is what I mean here. Yeah. You know what is interesting to me that I'm just noticing now? Morden yeah. never tells you in any of the romances that your touch or your saliva or your stuff is in any way toxic or harmful to the other characters. It's always Except for how tally. it affects the humans. Except, Except for, tally. for Tally. But like that's like a, an allergic um, bacterial... Yes, it is. Right. Yeah. Just like what's happening to you. <laughs> I mean, but that's not necessarily like a bacteria, like a rash. I mean, I guess you're right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting to me that you don't affect the other races in any way other than Tally. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's very interesting because yeah. like there, and granted this is taking meta knowledge and bringing it into the game world, but there's the whole like, uh, I guess you'd call it a theory where humans are actually the xenomorphs because our blood is technically acidic and like we adapt <laughs> to tons of different environments and we're actually fucking terrifying monsters. We're the actual um, space orcs. Compared yeah, to- <laughs> like we're. Yeah. I mean, there's also the uh, it's a it's like a friggin' Tumblr post where it's like if you give the humans two warp engines they're going to tie them together to see if they can go faster like it's a whole like why the humans are the most dangerous species in the federation Mm -hmm. um so it's very interesting that the humans are the ones that are being harmed by harmed quote unquote or having the negative effects of sexual relations with aliens in mass effect right Uh, that really yeah that's very interesting i never thought about that way I'm interested as to how eventually being able to romance the Krogan is going to be portrayed. Are they going to do that for us? Do we think that's what we're going to get in Mass Effect 4? I don't think they will, but I'm always going to ask, can can we can we we just romance a Krogan? Can you make this happen? I mean, they did finally give us in Dragon Age, they finally gave us fucking Iron Bull. Yeah, the Canary. We're still waiting for a dwarf outside of a dwarf origin. I yeah, still thanks. don't understand that. 
I am still mad that you can't romance Varric. But here, I'm <laughs> the hard-hitting Bioware Mass Effect questions. When can we romance Rex. a Krogan? Yeah. When like, can for we real. romance Shepard? The Hanar. When can we romance? I don't actually want to romance the Hanar. This is. Uh, I mean, that's getting so many poisonous tendrils. Well, that yeah, that's getting into a whole subset of sexual activity right there. Yeah, Um, that's for the the quote unquote monster fuckers in the audience. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Fair enough. The various and sundry different races in the Mass Effect universe. You cannot tell me humans would not want to boink things that don't have human shaped. Of course they would. We're human. When they have sentience. Yes. If they have sentience, I think human, a human somewhere, they probably have a club where they just try (laughs) to be adventurous and have sex with every single type of alien. (laughs) There's gotta be. There has to be. Yeah. I'm. Uh, yeah, yeah. On I, that I, note, I do we want to go to the fuck rating? <laughs> yeah. Insert <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fuck yeah. haiku here. All right. So, um, I will start off uh, with my sliding scale. Um, I got Thane as a three point five out of five. I'm offended because I have a very hard time with he's the go, he's going to die thing. Um, personally, I do, <laughs> but he got um, a full point for his character um, and a full point for them getting together. Right. Like very sweet scenes. Um, very. Although they fade to fucking black, which for the love of God, he's humanoid. Okay, Come on. Yeah. <laughs> um, the quality of the flirting interactions, I actually put at a 0.5 because I don't think the internet, my face just went memed. Yes. Um, I didn't feel it as hard. Like it was sweet, but it was also part of the get together. It wasn't usually flirting by itself. They didn't have a lot of flirty interactions outside of the conversation that led them to getting together. If you understand what I mean. I'm giving you a lot of side eye. I know. I understand that you're getting a lot of side eye. And I gave the pre-ending cutscene, the sexy scene, a 0.5 because he's having a breakdown in the midst of it. Um, They could have handled that better. It was good. Um, But it only, like, I felt awkward, so I got a 0.5. And then I got it a 0.5 for the ending because Mass Effect didn't end it. (laughs) And that's like, there was a closure to that story within kind of, but Mass Effect never closes out the romance story. They never give it an actual ending, except for the case of Samara, where they said, nope. (laughs) So that was kind of it. So it ended up going out to a 3.5 out of 5, based off of my criteria. Yeah, I'm giving Thane a quote. <clears throat> the quote is time for me is short Siha, but any that I have is yours to take mm. because Thane is literally always there for Shepard and even when you've gone through all of the romance scenes you can still go down to life support 
and like sit across the table from him and hold his hands and talk about traveling to the desert when you've finished this mission. Like even after you finish the romance bits, you have two or three conversations that can be gone through with Thane. Um, they're the same conversations, you know, they're the same two or three conversations, but they're always there for you as Thane is, um, which I don't think you get with any other character. Every other character you walk in and it's, I'm doing some calibrations, sub. And you're like, nothing, you have nothing, nothing else to talk about, just calibrations. Cool, 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 cool. But they will always sit down and hold your hands and be like, let's go to the desert together when this is done. It's like that friend that you have that every time you go over there, like, I'm gonna make you a cup of tea. We're gonna sit down and hang out. Like, it's always there for you. I miss friends. Mm-hmm. I miss friends. Yeah. I, I, I like to try and be that friend who always has the cup of tea ready. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the last year and a half, not so much. Year? Whatever. I don't... What It's been five... I've been dead for 10 years. <laughs> We're at almost 11 months. <laughs> I've been dead for 10 years. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's my new response to everything. <laughs> Sarah, how are you doing today? I've been I've dead been for dead 10, 10 years. <laughs> Yeah, I went through this really traumatic thing. I've been dead for 10 years. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. <laughs> I'm sorry, Sarah. How about you, Sarah? When um, this is all done, I'm going to hold y'all's hands so hard. Yeah, no that's all. So on a scale from, this may not be my best book grading, but <laughs> just don't want to get anybody's hopes up. On a scale from Venomous Hanar to Inasari Companion... I'm going to go John Wick. Ooh, Ooh, that's good. Yeah. I do love me some John Wick. Because uh, I get some big time John Wick and like Boondock Saints out of uh, Thane. Yeah. I see so, that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cool. I like it. That's so good. <laughs> no, ma. Christ, ma. Don't do it, ma. <laughs> I got to stop quoting that because it's actually on the deleted scenes that hardly anybody's seen. <laughs> It's the first movie Ethan and I ever tried to watch together. That's yeah. adorable. And then I pretended to fall asleep on his shoulder. Uh, it was weird. Anyhow, it's exactly as you're. It's exactly how you're depicting it. You're in your thinking head right now. Yeah. Yeah. I see your yeah. face. Look at me with that face. <laughs> they did it a lot, Sarah. All the time. Hashtag so dorm times. life, man. Uh, but no, I get it, man. <laughs> Thank you. Everyone. Except, like, I've had roommates just randomly have sex while i'm sleeping so i'm like okay, oh whatever. boy no i like wake up i'm like oh all right i'm going back to sleep yeah no no <laughs> <laughs> thank you everyone for joining us here today for our episode on thane creos and mass effect 2 thank you siha for joining us yes. <laughs> you are all my siha make sure to join us Sihas. next time um Sihas. Yeah. <laughs> uh, make sure to join us next time. We'll be going through uh, the casual story routes for the Mystic Messenger Toby game. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're going to change some shit up. We're going to stop talking about Bioware for a minute and we're going to talk about Mystic Messenger. Yeah, and um, Sarah has not played, so she'll be able to look at it with fresh uh, no-Atomi eyes. Yeah. Um, or medium-Atomi. Medium-Atomi. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty far into obey me right now but yeah yeah um and so you guys will kind of get a different view and um, we did a little special for the kfc 
dating sim game. Um, but this sort of switches routes into a serious one. <laughs> so yeah. or a, one that takes it seriously in the genre. Yes. Um, so we're excited to see how you guys will uh, have feelings about that. Thank you for um, joining us to talk about Thane. Yes. Yeah, it was very fun to talk about Thane. I liked it. Yeah. And make sure to check out our other stuff. Um, we're all members of Theater of the Mind Players. Uh, mm-hmm. We're currently doing a show run through Cyberpunk. Tw- uh, Cyberpunk Red. <laughs> <laughs> the role-playing game that's not on a uh, video Console. system. Um, and uh, obviously, Tani and Sarah have their own cool properties that they're working on as well. Um, you can check me out on the Not So Bigfoot thing. Where I talk about being a small lady who hikes. Sarah has. I, I think we we need to work up. We need to have like a collaboration of let's take Sarah hiking. I already have routes planned. So. Oh, fantastic. I am down for it because it's going to be ridiculous and I'm going to complain a lot. LFG. <laughs> and I have the hiking microphone. So yeah, let's, let's do it. Yeah, I've got a I've got a traveling mic, too. So I'm totally yeah. this is great. I'm let's st- fucking go. Yes. All right. We can bring Jordan with too. Oh, oh it'll be great. Jordan won't go. Jordan oh. doesn't like hiking. I'll, oh. I'll do be very enthusiastic camp. about you guys having fun, though. <laughs> oh, you could meet us at like our last campsite and then we could have like a camping yeah. on the end of the hiking. And yeah. then- I can do that. I can do that. And then I can talk about all of the fun I had sleeping in before I got there. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Um, um, but- and then, yeah, so... Tawny's got her Bigfoot thing. Uh, and I do Plot Points, which is a podcast where we talk about RPGs as literature. And I am also part of the cast of Encounter Party, which is currently in a Ravnica 5th Ed campaign, which is super fun. And we're doing live streams of Rhyme of the Frost Maiden on Sundays at 6 p.m. Central as well. Mm-hmm. On Fancy the Twitches. Yeah, it's super fun. <laughs> so, yeah, thanks for joining us. I am Tawny P. Thompson. I'm Jordan Fishburne. And I'm Sarah Babe. I've been dead for 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> this has been Romancing the Game. Um, We're all oh, like, oh, remember, consent is mandatory. Oh, boy. Wear a That's fucking like, mask for the love Yeah, of please. <laughs> Uh, get vaccinated if you can. I've been vaccinated. It's really not that big of a deal. Next week for me, no. Yeah, so. And Black Lives Matter. Yep, Black and Lives Matter. See you next time, guys. Bye. Bye.